big rocks and all that sort of thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to a, a very special green edition of the Mick Wall podcast. Uh, no John Hotton because uh, my equipment, uh, she said laughingly, uh, is still not working properly. I've only got the one mic. But helping me out is the young fella himself from Dublin, Ireland, the old country, Fergal Trainer, he of that feckin' metal podcast. How are you, Fergal? I'm very well, Mick. Thanks for the outstanding introduction. <laughs> I thought we'd had our first technical glitch there. Let me explain to people how we're doing this is. Fergal's in Dublin. I'm on Rockwall Farm in England, shamefully. And um, we're doing this via Zoom. So we're actually Zooming... And he's recording, and I'm recording, and then he's doing something else as well. And hopefully, out of all of this, we'll have at least an audio link we can turn into a pod. Is that right, Fergal? That's the end goal, yeah. I think, uh, at the very least, we'll have some audio from Zoom that will be usable if all else fails. And all else might fail, because it has certainly happened to me in the past. All else has consistently failed for me all my life there, Fergal, so <laughs> we can count on that. But we should also, I was going to say to you before we started, this is going to be like a rolling thing, because we've got a lot to talk about. We're not going to get through it in an hour. I generally, Fergal, like to keep to an hour um there's no rules but I, I figure we can do this every week till we're sick of each other um uh so it's a rolling thing so what, what should we it's going to be part one of what what did you come up with old versus new what was it so it was based on the idea that rock music nowadays is mainly in my eyes anyway based on nostalgia and i proposed an idea to you uh, called does the past have a sell-by date because to me as a music fan and you made that distinction clear yourself i'm certainly coming from a fan's perspective and you're coming from the industry kind of perspective or an outsider who's writing about the industry uh, and not a fan um so i thought it would make a nice dynamic if we discussed how rock music has been promoted in 2022 and has been for probably a decade and a half uh, which is based on nostalgia and aging rock stars yes yes i i'm with you so why don't you kick us off Okay, so the first thing I wanted to point out is that if you have a look at festivals, uh, music festivals nowadays, you'll notice that the top acts are still, more often than not, extremely old rock stars who probably peaked in the 1970s and maybe the latest, the 1980s. I'm talking about the top build acts. And I think a great example just announced today was for the Glastonbury Festival. So the headliner of Glastonbury 2022 is going to be Paul McCartney, who is still one of the biggest acts in the world. And he will be 80 years of age uh, this summer when he plays Glastonbury as the headliner. Now, to me, that is a probably the best example. And it was 
as complete chance that it, it fell out, like the news came out today. But that's the best example of what I'm talking about, that the people who are headlining festivals now are in their 60s, 70s, and now they're even in their 80s. Well, there's a, you know, there are many reasons for that, in my opinion. But the number one and obvious reason is they've got the songs. Um, you know, most of my life going to shows, whether it was a festival or a club or anything in between, it was all about uh, nearly always whoever it was playing had a new album out. There was a, a conversation to be had about, you know, uh, they're going to do a new show. What numbers from the new album will they do? Um, this is going to be great. I can't wait to see what they do this time. You know, uh, I mean, you're a, you are that Iron Maiden fan. I mean, I, 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 from the Power Slave tour to Somewhere in Time to Seventh Son, it was a different show. I mean, yeah, you got the the hits, as it were, but. It was a different show. They would build a different set. You had a different Eddie staggering out there at the end. Um, it was always about, okay, what's happening now and where are they going? That's all gone. That's all behind us. And um, these days, it, it, it's more of a jukebox. It's more of a, a night out or a day out. Um, uh, you 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 go there not to hear the new. I mean, Iron Maiden. I, sh I shouldn't have thrown them in really because they're the exception. They do still make uh, really first-rate, brand new albums. They don't need to, and I guarantee you, they don't make enough money to pay for them because they still make them the old school way, where they go away for months at a time. Steve Harris stays in an Airbnb. Uh, Nico McBrain stays in the presidential suite at the most expensive hotel in town, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and they spend three months with a proper producer in a room making actual music. None of these things are required anymore. Uh, and, and, of course, at the end of it, they release an album, which if 50,000 people actually buy it, you know, it's a result. I mean, they used to sell that in a week. Um, now yeah. if they sell yeah. that for I mean I don't know with Maiden I don't know the precise figures but album sales don't mean shit anymore absolute meaningless um, so when you the reason Maiden still do it and Def Leppard is because they want to feel alive they want to feel virile and young and fresh they do not want to feel like a nostalgia band yeah but the fact is, I mean, particularly someone like Def Leppard, they are entirely a nostalgia band. And if you don't hear the hits, then you feel you haven't had a good night out. Sorry, one last point on that is technology. Technology is such now that you literally can recreate the record. Or if you want to add something to it, to it you can augment it uh, visually, audio. It, it, you can really make it 2.0. You couldn't do that in the old days. So it was more about musicianship. Oh, my God, he's improvising. Wow, I'll never do that again. People don't want that anymore. Also, we used to spend fiver on a ticket. Now it's 500 quid if you want the hot seat, you know? <laughs> yeah. So well, you better play the fucking hits, you know? What I was going to say then uh, while, you were, while you were speaking there um, is, or it occurred to me while you were speaking, sorry, is when do you remember rock music turning into this nostalgia because when i was growing up the first slain castle show i went to was in 2002 
And that was headlined by the Stereophonics, who at the time were a current act. And down the bill was Nickelback, who again were current. And I think there was a band called Doves, and there was a few other bands, um, who all at the time were all current bands, and they were playing the biggest rock show in Ireland at the time, before the Croke Park shows had really kicked off as, you know, the biggest shows in the country. And it was... um, the Stereophonics, and that's 20 years ago now. Uh, but nowadays, the shows in Slane are Guns N' Roses, Metallica, um, and bands like that, who obviously peaked in the 1980s, or maybe the 1990s. Well, it, it, it the, the market, as they say, has changed, and God bless the Stereophonics, but how many of their hits could the man in the street name on one hand? Um, never mind the man in the street. As Sid Vicious once famously said, I met the man in the street and he was a cunt. You know, so <laughs> I, I think there's wisdom there. Um, um, but but uh, personally, the Stereophonics, they're, they had a couple of peak years. Um, the sort of the classic rock acts, that's really what we're talking about. Their careers last decades. I mean, in the case of Guns N' Roses, they've avoided having any bad albums and misses by just not releasing anything at all. And it hasn't, yeah. dented, hasn't dented their live appeal whatsoever, may even have augmented it. Um, but the, the world has changed. I mean, the, I, think, I think the technology cannot be underestimated because no one has... 100% live vocals anymore. I mean, no one. No one has 100% live, unaugmented, if that's the word, music. It's all about production. And um, uh, and so it's it's geared more to a good night out. We've spent 100 quid on a ticket, sometimes 1,000. Um, I, I want sushi. I want cappuccino. I don't want that... Th- cheap side of Fergal's drinking. I want Magnus and I want a bucket of ice with it. So Linden Village for the record. Linden Village. Where Fergal was born, if only the truth <laughs> would come out. Um it I saw Zeppelin at the O2 in two thousand and seven. And I was amazed. I mean literally as I'm sat there in my box seat watching there are beautiful waitresses coming out carrying trays in the middle of, you know, Black Dog or whatever it is. Who ordered the sushi? Lattes, uh, wine, mm. champagne, champagne. It, 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 it's like going to the theatre or the opera. It's like the working man's opera. You know, you get dressed up for it. You look at a great night. But it, it, it's no longer about... Man, that new King's X album is amazing. It's um, it's like, it's like these people that that go to Premier League football matches. You know, Roy Keane had a go at them for eating their prawn sandwiches. You know, oh yeah, prawn we're sandwich prawn, brigade. We're in the, <laughs> yeah, we're in the prawn sandwich era of uh, of rock concerts. We really but- are. Do you, do you remember when you noticed that turning? Like uh, to me, it's sometime in the last twenty years, but I can't pinpoint it. I think um, I think Queen's "We Will Rock You" had a had a was like a you know the, the butterfly wing that eventually translates into a dinosaur tail or whatever it is. Um, uh, I think that was an interesting kind of segue into a different way of enjoying rock music because don't forget there were all these rules. You know, 
if Paul Rogers had joined Queen in 1992, the world would never have forgiven them. It would have been an outrageous, appalling idea. Suddenly those rules are gone. You know, we can have the who with two guys that are dead. Uh, we can have Guns and Roses, but really only the three of them and not a chance of any new material. We can have the Rolling Stones with, what are they left with now? Jagger, Richards, that's it, isn't it? It's it's the Axel and Slash show. The rest are either dead or fired. Um, yeah. Uh, or, or weren't in the band originally. I'm, I, and then even, um, what's his face? Ronnie Wood. He wasn't actually really there for the pivotal material, even though he's been in the band for nearly 50 years. <laughs> Yeah, God bless him. I, I've met Ronnie and interviewed him when I was a huge Faces and Rod Stewart fan, you know, when they were good. And Ronnie has played on very little that anyone gives a stuff about in the Rolling Stones, even though he's been there since 75 or whatever it is. A couple of tracks, definitely, but really not. Brian Jones, Mick Taylor, that's when the Stones put out one incredible record after another and that's the show they still play to this day so so ronnie is like that guy who yes. thinks he's izzy straddling in guns and roses what's his name you know oh um R- richard fortis <laughs> yeah richard izzy hair fortis uh I, <laughs> probably a lovely man you know probably lovely on the guitar but he ain't izzy you know, but True. for the audience today, it'll do. It looks a bit like him, it'll do. Ronnie Wood, he looks a bit like Keith Richards, he'll do. You know, but really, if you had Mick Taylor there or Brian Jones, suddenly you've got something real, you know. We don't demand reality anymore. We just want the gloss, the high end, the, uh, you know, in, in, in the music business right now, I was talking to someone about this the other day, uh, a radio programmer um, gives you the heads up like this. You cannot have it. If you want your single on the radio, you cannot release a track uh, that has an intro longer than 10 seconds. Ideally, right. ideally, no intro, just straight into a chorus. But if you were to release Hotel California now or Down Down by Status Quo, both of which huge number one records in their day, They've got such long intros, they just wouldn't get on the radio. Um, and that's partly to do with attention span, remote culture, click-click culture. We live in high-end, fast, 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 on-demand culture. So the idea of going to a, a shitty old concert hall and hearing uh, Iron Maiden or ACDC or Marillion, whoever it might be, going through their third album, and it's a concept, and we're going to build to the climax, and you're going to pay attention... Mate, I'm on my phone. G- give me a shout when you do the hit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's just kind of where we're at. I mean, there are still bands doing interesting stuff, but that's not uh, what we're talking about. The classic rock bands are the standard bearers for art for art's sake, hit singles for fuck's sake. They really are. Um, my friend Ian Jeffrey uh, was tour manager for ACDC in the Bon Scott years. And uh, he, he used to room with Scott, with Bon. So you had the two brothers in one room, Ken on bass and Ken on drums in the other room, and Bon and Ian in a room. Ian said to me, um, 
I used to say to the hotel, don't bother putting a bed in there because we won't be using it, you know. Um, now, Ian said the joy for him, and Ian went on to tour manage for Aussie, Metallica, many others, and then in recent years, U2. Okay, mm. so this is going somewhere. He said with Bon, it was incredible joy each night some horrible room with a terrible PA or opening for another band so even if it's a nice room with a good PA it's still going to be shit for you winning that crowd over Bon and the guys on raw talent personality charm and big hairy balls would go out there and and win every night sometimes lose but mainly win he said over the decades Aussie in the 80s, he was with Metallica after the Black Album, very high-end stuff. U2, he said, I'm at a stage with U2, he said, where, this is obviously a couple of years ago, he said, um, it used to be when ACDC or Aussie came on stage, it was all hands to the deck because something can and will go wrong. He said, U2, you literally, it's a laptop and someone clicks. And right. that's the show. And, and he's like, so after that, he goes, we're going to have dinner, we have a drink. It, you know, that's our time off. That used to be the optimum moment for everybody. Now it's like, what time are they? Oh, yeah, 9.34. Yeah, we'll be back then, you know. It, 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 it's a different world. And, and they are all, that's the name of the game. If you want to charge people 2000 for a box or 150 for a ticket and fuck knows what else for a sweatshirt and a, and a bacon banjo. So, um, looking at t- 2019, was, which was the last real year of music events like concerts and stuff, uninterrupted by COVID, obviously. Uh, in the top 20 grossing uh, acts, you have Elton John, The Rolling Stones, Metallica, Paul McCartney, Kiss, um, Billy Joel, The Eagles. That's seven of the top 20 are rock acts, and they're all... If you're, if you're counting Elton John as rock, but it's, I suppose he is. Um, and they're all from people who peaked in the 70s or 80s, uh, or Paul McCartney, maybe even the 60s. And um, the rest are all pop acts, and there's no other rock acts in there that aren't people of that vintage. So it kind of demonstrates exactly what we're talking about. Um, do you ever foresee, like Gene Simmons famously says rock is dead, although he says a lot of old rubbish as well, but um, do you think he's correct? And do you ever foresee a time where rock will make a return to being very popular again? So that maybe we'll see three or four up and coming or newer bands in that list. Like, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the thing about rock, the story of rock is that it has, it was always full of surprises. Just when you felt you'd seen it all, um, here comes the Sex Pistols. Just when you thought you'd seen it all, here comes Nirvana. Um, and many other examples. But uh, I haven't seen that in recent years. Uh, but I am the old git. You are the young fella. And I am absolutely the old git. I mean, I'm the last man who's going to notice anything like that. But what I do pay attention to and can't help but notice is I'll give you an example. My, I've got a son. He's 16. I bought him a Stratocaster last summer because he really wanted to play guitar. And I bought him a Stratocaster and he immediately went to YouTube and picked up the chords to half a dozen rock classics because that's where all the guitar stuff is. 
Um, I don't think he's picked it up for about three months. But what he never, never lets drop out of his hand is his phone. He walks around with headphones on. He is literally totally wired. His bedroom is like, you know, the the, the, the Starship Enterprise, you know. (laughs) He's got so much stuff going on. He was literally just telling me how you can hook up your iPad to a TV screen and buy a something or other keyboard. And I'm like, shut up, you know. (laughs) Now, when I was 16, all I had was records and a record player and then a stereo. I mean, that was literally it. But with that and music magazines and what have you, um, very little radio, very little TV, but you'd have these gatefold sleeves and I'd study them. I knew who the producer was, the bass player, the bass player's mate, you know. My kids love music, but they don't know any of that stuff and they're not interested. Um, and, And that's one of the many reasons why there aren't tons of, grassroots rock bands whose lives depend on it i mean that's the that's the thing that's uh, another thing that's missing quite a lot of the time right now is um uh these bands they didn't go to college to learn music they they weren't able to get on garage band or or post videos to youtube um no one knew who they were no one cared they literally had to find... I mean, Def Leppard, one of Def Leppard's early gigs was in a room at the back of a chip shop in Sheffield. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they played there more than once, you know. Uh, and they maybe got 20 people turn up. 20 people, you know. Maiden played in the back room of pubs. Everybody did. That's you, any Anywhere you could find that would have you, you'd do that. And that builds up... Uh, 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 that builds up a real hinterland of 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 spirit of music that reflects that of wanting to succeed against all the odds um and when it's do or die that's when that's where the magic is and uh but also a lack of competition for your attention um uh until the early 80s in the uk i don't know about ireland but i imagine similar we had three TV channels and in the early 80s channel 4 came along ooh have you seen channel 4 yet you know yeah, um, yeah they had a pair of tits on there the other night it's fantastic so um, and radio so there just wasn't anywhere so you had to go out you had to be able to play you had to be able to play way better than the next guy um, uh, uh, and, and there was tons of people young guys young girls wanting to do that it's a bit like football, you know. I, I used to play football in the street. I wouldn't. We don't live on a street anymore. But when we did, I would not let my kids play on the street, let alone football. Um, so my boy has played rugby. Uh, he's played soccer. Not very good at soccer, but he's cracking at rugby. Got a lovely letter from Johnny Sexton once. Um, uh, but he's never going to form a rock band. He might form a tech company. He might yeah. come up with he might come up with a rocking app, mm. but it, it's just not. It's not part of his fantasy to be in a rock band and rule the world. He he, he loves music. Uh, that's the other thing. You know, the, 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 there's no sell by date now. He was playing me he, when he's playing me a track the other day. He was like, "Dad, 
wait till you hear this. This will blow your mind. We're in the car. He plays me an Eminem track from 2002. Mm. And I'm sitting there thinking, do I... Do I kind of ruin this moment for him by saying, for fuck's sake, I could sing you that backwards. It's been out for 20 years. Or do I go, wow, to, to join in, you know? So I ended up going, going wow, and then telling him the rest later. Um, <laughs> the pub back rooms thing. Um, I think the reason, though, that uh, nobody ends up being in rock bands these days is because there's no pathway now from the back room of a pub to the stages of Glastonbury. Whereas... Back in the 70s and the 60s and the 80s even, there seemed to be one. It was get your band out there in the pubs, maybe get a club show, get a tour, get interest from a record label, sign a record deal and then become successful. But steps two to seven there that I just said, they don't really exist anymore. It's, it, and that's not. it goes both ways. It's not just for the bands it doesn't exist. Those pubs don't exist. I mean... Um, uh, Pubs back in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, a lot of the 90s, um, they didn't have giant screens showing Sky Sports 24-7. They weren't forced to be uh, a gourmet pubs. No, not gourmet, gastro. Gastro. I, yeah. I didn't go into a pub waiting for burger and a steak and a fucking game <laughs> on the wall, you know. If you had a if you had a jukebox, that was like wow. Yeah. And if you like records from ten years before, wow, you know. Um, uh, for a, a pub on a Monday night or a Tuesday night, get in a band, and uh, even if they only bring in ten people, that's fucking ten people buying some pints, you know. Yeah. If they bring in a hundred, you know, you're 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 on a roll. Um, they just don't exist. There's there's too many other forms of entertainment and pubs themselves. You know, you can't smoke. I don't smoke, but you can't smoke in a pub. Um, uh, you, you've got competing media all around you. You've got people on their phones. Would you like, would you like a moussaka with your chips and lager? You know, it's just endless. So um, it's hard to find places. There are still, but not like it used to be. When I, In the early 90s, I was managing a band. I was able to stick us in the back room of horrible pubs all over London because there was nothing else going on on a Tuesday night or whatever it was. But um, uh, I don't see that anymore. Okay. Um, so do you think that's the only reason, though, Um it seems to me like I know record labels have changed drastically and there's been a lot of like they've amalgamated or larger ones have subsumed the smaller ones and all that type of thing. But do you think it's the lack of venues is maybe the main reason or is it uh, just part of the picture why a rock band finds it more difficult to make it? Um, or what What like is that? What would you say is the main reason if it's not to do with the lack of venues? To me, necessity is the mother of invention. So if you've got no venues which was essentially the state of Seattle in the late 80s. Tons of coffee shops and places to hang out and be cool, but literally nowhere where you could put a band on, uh, or certainly one or two, one or twice a week. You know, Suddenly you've got bands like Soundgarden, Mother Love Bone, uh, all that whole scene, all, all making great music in the basement or to their friends. The upshot was there was great music. You know, they got to kind of workshop it very intensely before they 
Because if you start out playing pubs, you very quickly learn what goes over well. And that's good, but it also takes you away from writing introspective, deep, crazy stuff, uh, which is, for me, even better. Um, but uh, uh, so I, I think whatever the context, rock is like mercury. It will always seep through somehow. I think the the... I think the fundamental difference between now and then is that back in the 60s or 70s, for example, when albums became a thing for the first time, rock was probably the most vital medium in the world. It was also about speaking truth to power. There wasn't this idea that you could have a 50-year career or even a five-year career. It was about now. And artists chose their own music. They didn't rely on A&R. And they'd be given three or four albums to, to find, their, find their footing. Um, now, it's now or never. You know, are, do you have the look? Do you have the hit? You know, do you, does your face fit? Um, there's no investment. There's no interest in the business in finding new talent and nurturing it. They expect you to go and do that through social media all on your own and then come to them and say, we've got 30,000 followers or whatever it might be. We've had 2 million hits on um, uh, Spotify. And then they go, okay, this is worth a punt. But if it doesn't happen with the first record, we just move on to the next people that want to bend over backwards to have a hit. You know, we are in a post-X Factor, post-YouTube, post-instant gratification age where it's not just the business saying we're not interested in investing over time. The kids aren't. Most of the kids aren't, Fergal. Um, there are always exceptions. But it used to be all of us wanted to do it all of the time. And now... Uh, Again, I'm thinking of my son and his friends. There's just not enough involved that's fun to keep them engaged compared to all this other crazy shit they've got going on. Uh, and they're still smart kids and they still love music. They just don't want to be... Uh, they don't want to spend years trying to get a living wage and probably not getting there in the end. I mean, it's a desperate life for those that don't have hits. Um yeah, I've no idea sure. if I answered the question there, but I, I do think it's. I don't think it's hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Rock will always, has always surprised us, so don't rule it out that at any second now, a new band is going to come along or a new configuration... And everybody's going to go. I mean, look, look at the Arctic Monkeys. You know, I, 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 uh, I'd already had this conversation twenty years ago, and then I saw the Arctic Monkeys, and it wasn't that I'd never seen it before, but it was now, and it was new, mm. and had a little, a nice, sweet new twist on it. Yeah, and they, they, they sang in their own accent as well, which is very rare and unusual for a mainstream band. Well, I don't think they saw themselves as a mainstream band. They became a mainstream band with that hit. Yeah. But no, I agree that the accents are great. That's one of the great things that Irish artists and British artists, not all of them, obviously, but a lot of Irish artists and British artists, uh, they sing in their own voice. And uh, uh, even when they're rapping, you know, it's great. It really does. Um, I like that very, very much, as opposed to just wanting to sound as American as possible. Um, that's the other thing, I think. You know, rock, by and large, you know, the, the great rock bands that turned it into art, turned it into protest or or, or, or talking points, um, began to be pushed aside. You know, I mean, Maiden were a good one that's, that stayed with it. Although, again, they had such a fantasy element that uh, that's a different form of entertainment. Uh, but by and large, um, after the 70s, fewer and fewer bands are really trying to say something. Um, fewer bands uh, see that as a vocation. They're now looking for a career. They're on MTV, there are CDs, they've read all the music papers, they've seen all the documentaries. You know, they want a piece of the action. Um and it, and I think that that doesn't just stay like that. It, it keeps going. Everything keeps going. And um, but long story short, I do think something will come along. It always does. I just don't think we'll ever see the revolution because you know we don't live in that society anymore where we all know the same TV shows or we all know that record because we saw Top of the Pops or whatever it is. I mean. Let me ask you, what's the number one single right now in Ireland? I haven't a fucking notion what the number one single is. All right. What's the number one single right now in the UK? I honestly couldn't tell you. I've no idea. What's the number one single right now in America? 
No idea. So, and do you care? Oh, no. No, not in the slightest. Well, 20 years ago, I mean, I know that that would, you know, we'd have to squeeze that down for you. But in my case, 20 years ago, I knew the answer to all those questions because it was important what was number one. Mm. Um, I didn't know every record, but I knew what, what, what the talking points were. Um, I have no fucking clue now. But worse than that, I don't care. I don't fucking care. Um, It's how many million clicks have you got on Spotify uh, or YouTube? Uh, And two million is nothing. You need 200 million now, you know. True. Do you know what's interesting to me? You just mentioned Spotify there and YouTube and stuff. Um, There was a famous uh, case in the news a few weeks ago about Neil Young giving an ultimatum to Spotify uh, to do with Joe Rogan and the content of his podcast, uh, the Joe Rogan experience. Um, Did you have any opinion either way on that? And it will lead into another point I want to talk about in a minute. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of course. Well, um, Neil Young. Uh, No one was talking about Neil Young until this story was put out by his PR. Um, I'm not one to be cynical. Um, but who cares what Neil Young thinks? Because um, he's not a big, well, not anymore, definitely. But at the time, he wasn't a big uh, artist on Spotify. Um, Joe Rogan, a huge artist on Spotify. Do I, uh, I, I'm a big Neil Young fan, by the way. Yeah, me too. And I mean the music. So in terms of his music and, and a lot of the great stuff, I mean, great stuff he's done there and statements he's made, political, what other, what other, whatever. I am 100% Neil. Back in the 80s, he was being attacked for being a Reaganite. Um, and I still yeah. loved his music. Um, Steve Harris was a Thatcherite and I still loved his music. Um, Joe Rogan, I've never listened to one of his podcasts. I've seen clips on the telly. I, I totally get it. I mean, I don't think you need to wade through a lot of it to get it. And what do I think? Uh, I don't care. Uh, here's what I believe in. Freedom of speech. 100% freedom of speech. And and Neil Young, in Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, when he wrote that song, Ohio... Uh, those students were pr- protesting the Vietnam War and they were shot dead by the National Guard. And and why were they why were they shot dead? Because they didn't have freedom of speech. They weren't allowed to protest the Vietnam War, which to me is uh, it's a real litmus test between democracy and authoritarianism, as well as many other things. Now, you either have freedom of speech or you don't. And if you have it, then Joe Rogan is as entitled to it as anybody else. The fact that, and I have I don't know what the numbers are, but the fact that 50 million people tune in. An, es- an estimated 12 million per episode it was for Joe Rogan. Well, the guy, people obviously like what they hear. What's wrong with that? I, honestly. I mean, if it was, I know, I know we could come up with an extraordinarily obscene example here of something that, really shouldn't be allowed. Um, So there are exceptions to every rule. But it's always worth a discussion. Someone like Joe Rogan, who's provocative and controversial because that's the name of the game, 
Uh, I've got absolutely no problem with whatsoever. No more than if Jeremy Corbyn wants to do the same, or years ago Peter Tatchell. It's it's freedom of speech, and it is so valuable, Fergal, that without it, there is no freedom. Sure. Okay, so you said a few minutes ago, who cares what Neil Young thinks? And it seems valid on the, it seems valid on the surface, um, but at the same time, Neil Young recently sold fifty percent of his career catalogue to Hypnosis, one of these firms that's buying up catalogues of legacy artists, amongst other artists as well, for one hundred and fifty million US dollars. So somebody obviously cares to some extent about Neil Young to the to the extent that they're going to pay one hundred and fifty million dollars, which is no small sum for a septuagenarian whose music hasn't been relevant, as you said, for probably several decades. So what do you think when you see these stories in the news? Like, I'm looking at a list now of people who've sold their, their catalogues, the likes of Stevie Nicks, uh, the estate of Whitney Houston, David Crosby has sold his, uh, Lindsay Buckingham, all these artists, you know, who peaked in the 70s, who were relevant in the 70s, are selling their catalogues for hundreds of millions of dollars. And to me... I'm not sure if the the likes of Hypnosis are playing a very, very, very long game or how they plan to monetize this investment. And I was wondering if you had an opinion on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, Fergal, you know, I blame Iron Maiden, you know, a a band close to your heart. Um, I'm joking when I say that, but there's a connection, weirdly. Hypnosis are owned and run by a guy called Merck Mercuriadis, who I first met back in the 80s when... He was working for Iron Maiden. Um, he was one of Rod Smallwood's elves. And uh, as Sanctuary grew and more artists came in, uh, Merck began to assume more responsibility on the management side. And um, for a brief period, he managed Guns N' Roses when Sanctuary did, which was sort of mid-90s, uh latter end of the whole Chinese democracy catastrophe um before inevitably Axel sacked him. Um but then every Axel sacks everybody. Uh Merck is a smart guy. I had lunch with him a couple of years ago and um it's it's very much a long game but it's kind of betting on futures and uh the entertainment future is going to be AI. People go, well, how many TV ads will Neil Young songs appear in? Well, shit tons is the answer. Movies, shit tons. Soundtracks, shit tons. But way, way, way beyond that is going to be the infinite universe of uh, uh, tech possibilities for your entertainment via AI. And it's going to be a multiverse. It really is. It's, there's going to be so many different outlets, streams, and it's all going to be tied into a website, an app, a go-to place that also does gambling and uh, anything you can think of. Your one-stop shop uh, to stop you ever leaving the house again and just giving us all your money, okay? And... This music is invaluable already, but in that world, the world that is just about to arrive, the possibilities are infinite. In terms of why people are selling, uh, it's really, really simple. Did you say Neil Young is 74? 
I think he's actually, he was born the same year as my own mother, so I think he'll be 77 this year. Okay, well, and someone's just offered him 150 million. Oh, no, I know why he's selling. I know why he's selling, of course, sure. Most of them are like that, you know. Yeah. Dylan's in his 80s, and I think they offered him 450 million. Yeah. He's like, let me think about it. Yes! You know, it's just... But, but also, so, but like, I, I understand the concept of AI, AI, and like, let's say, let's just call it technologies yet to be invented, which is how some people kind of categorize these things. Um, who is going to be listening to Neil Young in the AI universe? Like, are, are you talking about kids discovering Neil Young in, let's say, twenty forty, or people who are my age now in their fifties discovering Neil Young in twenty years' time? Or what, like, that's a that's a that's an interesting question. I think um, the answer is I I can't answer because I I'm I'm not quite an oracle yet, working on it, <laughs> but. Um, it isn't just going to be here's a video or uh, here's an action sequence in a movie. History, science, culture, literature, music, it's all going to be available in, in many, many different ways that go beyond TV programs or movies or what we consider conventional entertainment. It won't be either or. That stuff will still exist. But there will be, I think, endless variations on a theme, endless markets that will buy stuff uh, and, 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 and dice it and chop it and reuse it in many, many ways. Neil Young is probably a bit, you know, he's one of those, he's like, um, you know, they were talking about taking a, a, what do you call it, to Mars, you know, like replic- replicate the Earth's atmosphere and blah, blah, blah. Oh, yes. And they said, well, we have to take the mosquitoes as well because, you know, we don't know what part they play in that ecology. And that's a very broad uh, analogy. But Neil Young is very much uh, an important... Mosquito? Well, he's a big fucking mosquito. You know, he's uh, <laughs> he's like, he's like, why wouldn't you bring the lemure? Well, because we've got a lion and a tiger. Yeah, but it's the lemure, you know. Um, uh, he has got some songs. Um, what's his famous one? Dun, dun, heart of gold. You know that, yeah. rocking all over the free world. Uh, out of the black into the blue, Ohio. That, plenty of others. I love that album Trans he did, which was uh, given yeah. a terrible kicking, but I loved it. This notes for you, another one I loved. Um, anyway. Neil Young is a significant artist and what they don't want as well is competing competing entities that also have a big share of music. It's it's really trying to snag it. Anything that is really good, and Neil Young is really good, plus anything that's really commercial and, and utterly viable. Yeah, I think actually a good example of, of this recently is the uh, Disney Plus multiple episode documentary on the Beatles, which is from footage that was filmed over 50 years ago from when they were recording what was called at the time Get Back, which turned into Let It Be and Abbey Road. Um, I, I, th- I find it's like a, a, a platform like Disney Plus 
using 50 year old Beatles footage and then like it being the most talked about thing for weeks is probably a good example of what you're talking about um, and that's it's something that didn't exist 10 years ago a streaming platform uh, to do something like I, this I tell so. you what Fergal 10 years from now we'll be in the room with the Beatles <laughs> we'll be going now listen John fuck's sake you know I don't bring my bird to the studio so you don't bring yours alright <laughs> yeah that's what we'll. In fact, you and I will be in there. You'll be on the piano, going, "Let it, let it be, let it be," and I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be doing something else. You'll be getting the teas and coffees. Yeah, yeah, obviously, obviously, the green spot. <laughs> did you did you watch the Get Back documentary? No, no, definitely not. I, I, if it was on, if I happened to sit down tonight and by accident put it on. I might watch it, and I I might well enjoy it, but um, I'm in no rush, you know. I mean, I know that story backwards. Um, Mm. I've seen clips, and it does look... It it looks great, you know, but I'm just in no rush. What's interesting to me about that is, in the age of the short attention span, and like you said about your own kids being glued to their phones, and people watching TikToks instead of watching, I don't know, a feature-length film, that somebody can market that, which is a series of episodes which are two and a half hours to three hours long. Um, And people seem to have watched it properly and paid attention to it, which kind of contradicts the narrative in society these days that nobody can watch things that are lengthy anymore and people don't have attention spans. How, How do you feel about that? Well, I think both things are true. Um, uh, my kids are entirely addicted to their phones and all the other bits and pieces. Uh, and, you know, the Snapchats and the TikToks and God knows what else. But they like a deep dive. And um, uh, and they all like different things. Uh, and with Netflix, uh, Disney+, Plus. Um, Apple do one, I think. Um, I pretty much stick to Netflix and Amazon. Um, but it's great to do a deep dive. So I, I so I, I just feel both things will exist. I mean, I, a quick example. About 10 years ago, no, nothing ever came of it, but about 10 years ago, uh, some people came to me and talked to me about doing um, some live shows, interviewing uh, rock stars um not for telly or well not like this is going to be on bbc or something purely that we would record it film it own it and then we would sell that content and i was going what you mean like to sky arts or bbc4 and they went no 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 we've got a market in asia that will take one of your interviews and turn it into 200 different things some of them will be 90-second things on their phone. Some will be 31-minute uh, uh, episode. You know, they went, trust me, there, there's just a shit ton of places. And, and you can sell it cheap. So, you know, like the 90-second one, I've no idea what the figures were, but say the 90-second one will cost them a tenner, you know, and other ones will cost more. The idea is it's just you build it, you build it, you build it. Now, nothing came of that, but that was 10 years ago. Um, I, I, I just think, I really honestly do think, Fergal, without meaning to sound too, um, what's that word, uh, you know, the, the terrible future, 
dystopic. Um, Catastrophizing? No, the dystopia. Oh, dystopia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think more and more and more and more and more will be about staying at home and having everything come to you. I don't think ownership's going to be a thing. You know, we used to be buy the record. You know, I mean, I still love to buy the book. Mm. I want that book. Old, brand new, don't care. I just want the authenticity, the connection. And people are like that about records. But um, I think, you know, I think that's the thing of the past. Ownership won't matter because everything is right there with you. Um, so it's not a case of saying to your mate, oh, look what I bought. Oh, no, where did you get that? You know, man, just fucking click. Uh, and we'll virtual reality and sit next to each other and watch it. I honestly think that's that's absolutely where we're heading. I'm not saying no one will leave the house. Of course we will. But uh, I think in terms of content, you know, we're looking at a growth bomb. And I don't think we can even imagine uh, uh, the various possibilities that have come up. And that's what hypnosis is all about, is owning content that can't be replicated. It's authentic and it carries that signature. It carries that provenance. And all that stuff works, man, when you're trying to sell jeans or burgers or whatever the fuck it is, a COVID vaccine. I guarantee you, any day now, they'll be doing a COVID vaccine with run to the pills, run for your life. <laughs> I look forward to that. Maybe for this installment, we'll finish up with this. So you've talked about content and uh, how you know, nobody wants the physical anymore. And that's by and large true, I think, especially the way technology is going. But at the same time, it coincides with something else that kind of contradicts it, which is the revival of vinyl, uh, cassettes, and even now CDs seem to be making a, a, a very slight comeback. Now, I know it's nothing on the scale of what even vinyl records sold as they were fizzling out in the 90s, but they've increased in sales year on year, I think, since 2012, which is a decade of vinyl being um, becoming more popular again. So, like maybe people having no attention spans but being able to consume a three-hour episode of a documentary on the Beatles, like those things contradict each other. To me, the reliance on digital media and also a resurgence in vinyl seems to contradict itself as well. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on that to finish up this installment. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know... Um, I don't know if it's so, vinyl has so much revived... Um, has become fashionable. You know, I don't know if it, I guess what I'm saying is, is um, I don't think the music has led to people buying vinyl so much as the vinyl has led people to buying vinyl. It's it's almost a fetish. Um, the the lot of diehard music people, uh, very young, studenty kind of age or twenties will fetishize it. So, yeah, I got it on the vinyl. Oh, you got it on the vinyl? Yeah, I got it on the vinyl. Others, like my daughters, will uh, get it and put it on the wall mm. as decorative art while already having had the album on their phone a month before, you know. Um, I, 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 Listen, I'm looking around right now. I, I'm surrounded by old 
books. I'm saying I can't find one now. I'm surrounded. Look, here's one I got. Iceberg Slim. Pimp. The story of my life. I think that came out in the 60s. Um, found it in a second-hand bookshop. Gotta have it. Um, have I read it? No. I would say at this point, I haven't read most of the books I own because I love secondhand. I was talking to you about chapter in Dublin just before we began. Yeah. Love secondhand books, love brand new books. But it's almost a fetish, you know. So I think that will always exist. Uh, and for me, I can't read digitally. I just can't be doing with Kindles and all that. Mm. But as soon as I die... Every you know, I'll be the last one that can't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I think music is always music. The only thing that's ever changed is the delivery platform, and uh, people's access to it in terms of. With, before record players, you had to go somewhere to listen, or you had to look, play a piano and do the sheet music. You and me, our families would have sung it, and we'd learned it through songs. Or my dad and his mates all played. You know, whether it was. A, tin whistle or whatever um so i think music will always be wonderful but in terms of what we're talking about you know albums and i don't think vinyl it, it's a boutique item you know it's a it's a i i've got a, i've got a, a 50th anniversary edition of naked lunch by william burrows it's on my shelf i've never opened it a quick look Never opened it because uh, it's special. So I think there'll always be special editions, rare vinyl. It's like buying antiques, but it's got nothing to do with where music's going. I don't think it will have any impact at all. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well summarized. Okay, I think that's probably going to do it for this one, but I think we've only scratched the surface on the concept of does the past have a sell-by date? We haven't even tried to answer the question yet, really. Uh, but that's been a very enjoyable first attempt. Yeah, uh, sorry, so I keep interrupting. Fergal, go again. Go again. No, that's it. No, we're good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you know what? We must do this face-to-face -face one day. Definitely, yeah. With possibly a sponsored by Guinness. <laughs> I'm sure we could get them to shell out, yeah, for a few points. Uh, with with your name value and my, uh, I don't know what I have to offer. I can drink a few points anyway. Your connections, connection, Dublin connections. <laughs> That's it. All right. Um, I don't know. I can I can cut this bit out. Do you want to do a little outro or what? What do you want to do? Yeah, no, I'll do an outro. It's fine. Now, keep all that for me. Keep all this in. I love all this. So uh, uh, that's Fergal. We all know Fergal. He's great, and um, uh, that's the first in a new series uh, called Fergal's Favorite Friends, and uh, <laughs> and we'll be back for number two. Let's do it again next week. Number two next week sounds good to me, or or even tomorrow. You let me know. All right, very good. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How do I stop this, Fern? <laughs> 